<clears throat> so this, this is now the third Sunday in Advent. Uh, we have been watching and waiting together. We have been um, looking with bright and eager eye for the bright light which shines in the darkness. And in his word we have hoped. We've been remembering together the first time that light entered the cosmos, shining forth from a manger low in Jesus, whose life was and remains the light of the world. We've been looking forward as well, preparing for the second advent to arrive, when Jesus will now appear, not on low, but now on high, in fullness of glory, bringing with him that eternal day where there will be no darkness anymore. How long have we been doing this? Three weeks? You can, I mean, you can cheat and look at the candles, right? So three weeks we have been looking and waiting and watching, uh, trying to see the light in the darkness. But it's not just we who have waited or watched. Long before us, Israel waited and watched, not for three weeks, but for centuries upon centuries, through slavery and freedom, through exile and return, through times of covenant faithfulness, and through times of wanton rebellion. Israel waited and watched until eventually Mary waited and Mary watched. Mary, a culminating daughter descendant of all her people, Mary, a teenager anticipating a wedding. Mary, the one to whom Gabriel appears with a divine communication of unfathomable favor. Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Another way of translating that, O favored one, is full of grace. The Lord is with you. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold... You will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. There's about three ways in there that Gabriel says this one's going to be the Messiah. This was the greeting given to her. This was actually the moment um, this is what everyone and everything in all of Israel and in the whole cosmos had been longing, waiting, and watching for. Waiting and watching even more than those who watch for the morning. You remember our psalm? So what would actually result from this fullness of time encounter? What would happen? Because make no mistake... Everything hinges now on Mary's response. Here's the greeting. How will she respond? The heavenly chorus in this moment held its breath. The stars stopped in their courses so as to gaze down with unblinking eye. The cedars of Lebanon bent their trunks, leaning in to hear. The world fell silent. All attention turned towards this little girl from Nazareth town who opened her mouth and loosed her tongue and said, Behold, 
I am the servant of the Lord. May it be unto me according to your word. And the angel chorus cried, Glory! And the stars danced in the heavens above, and the cedars stood tall and straight, stretching their branches heavenward in wind-swept praise. The Lord comes! Advent! It is upon us. Yes, Mary is our example this Advent. Mary, young girl who would have likely, we would have likely passed uh, along the road without a second glance. But the Lord saw more deeply because it was Mary who watched and it was Mary who waited. Mary who caught a glimpse of the light shining in the darkness. Mary who declared herself to be God's servant. Did you catch that word? That is, well, there's three candles. That's our third theme, this Advent. To be a servant is to rightly live the life of Advent waiting. To be a servant is to anticipate the Lord's coming here and now, in this moment, in this season, in this year, until He comes again in the fullness of glory. To be a servant of God is to receive God into your life according to His Word so that the gift of Jesus in you and to you can also be offered up to the world prompting angel cheering and starlit dancing and rooted tree blessing and humble God-honored living. So if all that is true, I invite you to listen carefully and listen well to Luke chapter 1, to the prayer that Mary famously prays after Gabriel comes and gives her this greeting, after she goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth in whom a baby grows that also was not expected. And after that baby, John leaps in his mother's womb at the coming near of Mary and the Christ child. Here's the prayer that Mary prays. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for He has looked on the humble estate of His servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent empty away. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his offspring forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. So Mary sings praise because... <coughs> God has looked on the humble estate of His servant and seen her. Um, she magnifies the magnificent one because He has done magical things for her. World-shaking, uh, life-altering things. Not only for her, but also for all of Israel, whom she also describes in this famous prayer called the Magnificat. 
as God's servant Israel. Did you catch that? So Mary is God's servant today as she says, yes, and I will, and amen to Gabriel's message. Israel is God's servant as she has said, yes, and amen, and I will, to God in Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, in men, women, and children who follow the pillar of fire by night and the shading glory-filled cloud by day. You remember we just got done going through the Exodus story? Israel said, yes, and I will, and amen, to God through feast and through famine, through festival and failure, through prophets, priests, and kings from generation to generation, until again Israel says, yes, and I amen, and I will, to God here and now once more in this descendant, culminating descendant daughter, Mary. You see, this is God's way. It is the way of love. Because God does not force Himself upon those made in His image. His desire is for us to desire Him too. God want, and God's desire for you, God wants you to desire Him as well. To willingly and joyfully say, yes, and I'm in, and a will. Ooh, that is a tongue twister. Yes, and amen, and I will to Him as well. What we see with Mary and with Israel is something like God proposing marriage and waiting for their response to see if they will enter into a mutual life of love and service together. And so just as that invitation came to Mary, it also comes to you this morning, right now, sitting in this seat with these people, with these candles lit, taking the breath that you have just taken, the message, the invitation comes to you too. The time is at hand. Will you serve Him? Will you find your life in Him? And will you find God's life in you? There is a deep truth here. And that is... That our willingness to serve God is the other side of that covenant coin. God's invitation is here to you. And your response to that invitation is needed. But there is still yet a deeper truth than that. Um, Our lives as servants, your life as a servant, or Mary's or Israel's, is yet another example of how we image our Creator and Redeemer and Sustainer. For is not He too a servant? That's the title of the sermon this morning. For is not He too a servant? Sort of a convoluted way of saying it. It's actually a line taken from a poem called The Ballad of the White Horse by G.K. Chesterton. Uh, Picked up on it at the direction of, of Anglican priest Malcolm Geith. Uh, And in speaking of the incarnation of Christ, which you can tell by context, Chesterton writes this. I'll do it a couple times so you you can kind of sink in. He says, And well may God, with the serving folk, cast in His dreadful lot, is not He too a servant, and is He not for God? And well may God, with the serving folk, 
cast in his dreadful lot, is not he too a servant? And is he not for God? So these words come at a moment in this ballad where the fugitive king Alfred is at sort of his lowest point, his lowest ebb. He appears here at the edges of a fire where a woman is preparing cakes on the fire. And she takes him to be a beggar, such as lags looking for crusts and ale. And she takes pity on him and asks him to serve her, there's that word, by watching the fire. That sounds like a tough job, doesn't it? (laughs) Just sit and watch the fire. There is a cake for any man if he will watch the fire. Now left to himself, the king sits down, he's at his lowest point. He meditates on the fact that he has become the least of serving men. And in this moment, he suddenly realizes that God, his God has done the same. There enters the line, is not he too a servant? And is he not for God? And so then it's like a key has been unlocked his mind and now he just sort of begins to run with all these examples. And he imagines God as the great gardener who rises before the dawn tending grasses and flowers and trees. He imagines him as the armorer who dresses humanity with helmet-like skull and ribs like chain mail, protection from the world around us and a framework by which we might live and move and have our being. He pictures God as the sky-skating herder of birds in flight, tending them first one way and then the next as they glide upon the winds that He has gifted the earth. A servant. Is not He too a servant, tending even the least of these things? The grass upon the riverbank, when did you think of that last? The leaves rustling in trees, the birds which alight among them, and the humans that move here and go as we please. God is a servant, rising early in the morning, serving His entire creation before it is even aware, while you are still half asleep or not even half awake. And serving you too as your heart beats within your breast and as your lungs take in air. Is not He too a servant in your life? And is He not for God? That's the little twist there that He can't avoid. How often do I forget? To be a servant, it is the way of Advent. It is the way of Israel and of Mary. It is the way that Christ appears to us in His first Advent as God's servant, Mary and Israel and all the rest. Remember that they are so, that they are also servants, saying yes and amen and I will to Him. But it is even more deeply the way of God Himself to serve us, to serve you to serve you the ones He loves, to wash your feet, to heal and to touch your wounds, to speak the truth in your heart, to bind you to one another, to the people in this room, actually, as as His family, to, 
to be a servant, to feel the whip, to climb the cross, to offer his life, to rise again, to bring the kingdom. God is a servant. And you're made to be one too. So wait and watch this Advent. Keep doing that together. Look for the light shining in the midst of the darkness. The darkness can't overcome it. Do that together. And now, serve God and one another in this world and do it together so that you will be ready when He comes. So that His servant-hearted love can be known now in your family and in this church and in Avery County and in all the world. Is not He too a servant? In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.